from the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. Hello there, I'm Graham VK4 Baker Baker. This is the Wireless Institute of Australia's National News Service. The year 2013 is Canberra's centenary year and the month of March marks 100 years since Lady Denman, wife of the then Governor-General Lord Denman, named the federal capital Canberra. She named it at Capitol Hill, now the site of Parliament House. The Canberra Region Amateur Radio Club has been granted a special event call sign, VI100ACT, in recognition of this event. Look out for VI100ACT on the bands during March and, I'm told, possibly the rest of the good year, 2013. VK2 School gets Aris contact this week. Mount Osley Public School at Ferry Meadow, New South Wales, will be talking to the International Space Station through a telebridge via IK1 SLD this week, actually Tuesday, March 12, at 18.35 local, that's 0735 UTC. This is amateur radio on the International Space Station or an ARIS contact. Mobile phone jammer at Lithgow Jail. In a trial sanctioned by the Australian Communications and Media Authority, the jamming of mobile phones is to be permitted by the New South Wales Department of Corrective Services. It is already a crime for an inmate to have a mobile phone and they are prohibited to be taken in by visitors. The Lithgow Correctional Centre in the central tablelands of New South Wales has been selected as an appropriate site to trial mobile phone jammers. Tenders have been called to use C-jam jammers in the prison due to their ability to stop signals in a precise perimeter. The tender covers the equipment, installation, materials and antenna system. The department is working closely with mobile phone carriers and the ACMA to ensure that the trial does not affect other mobile phone services in the area. The ACMA granted an exception to its overall ban on mobile phone jammers by allowing the restricted trial under a 12-month licence valid from July 1st this year. Global set to be held twice. There will be a global simulated emergency test on Saturday, April 13th and Saturday, April 20. And why on two days? Well, both straddle World Amateur Radio Day on Thursday, April 18th, which this year is themed Amateur Radio entering its second century of disaster communications. International Amateur Radio Union Region 1 Emergency Coordinator Greg Mossop, Golf Zero DUB, says the first Saturday will repeat the format of 2011 using local time for each station. This will give a good chance of messages moving towards the regional headquarter stations. The second Saturday will answer the messages starting from the headquarter stations being sent back to the countries that originated them. All of those who register for the global sets have access to the full set of rules. Global set is open to all three IARU regions on or near the emergency centre of activity frequencies on the 80, 40, 20, 17 and 15 metre bands. The amateur service continues to play an important asset in emergency and disaster response as shown by many natural disasters. Global set is an opportunity to increase the common interest in emergency communications, create practices for international emergency communications and the relaying of messages. The cause of tin whiskers 
explained. Peter Ellis, VK1PE, says that reports are being published in various places about award-winning research at the University of South Carolina that explains tin whiskers. These strands of tin grow out of solder and can bridge the gap between components and, of course, cause circuit failures. PhD student Yong Sun used a process called digital image correlation to track the deformation of the surfaces around solder and was able to prove the growth of whiskers are caused by high-strain gradient build-up inside the device. Across Australia from VK1WIA, you're tuned to the WIA National News Service. On the central coast of New South Wales, it can be heard on the CCARC VK2RAG 2-metre repeater on 146.725 MHz at 10am every Sunday. I'm Ed, VK2ARE. Have you prepared for the last weekend in May, the 2013 WIA AGM and Conference? If you need help in preparing for your journey to Western Australia, we've created a page with information that will help your planning and budgeting. You can find that online together with up-to-date information, programs, calendar of events, expressions of interest for workshops and other information about what's happening with the conference. The 2013 WIA AGM and Conference. It's all about engaging, learning, appreciating, socialising and discovering. You'll find all the information online at the VK6 conference site, conference.vk6.net. VK1 WIA, all local news. We go around VK in 80 seconds. Sunday, March 24th, 10am, Great Ryrie Primary School, Great Ryrie Road, Heathmont. For VK3's Eastern and Mountain District Radio Club's White Elephant Sale, the big friendly ham fest. Come one, come all. Pick up those little bits and pieces you're looking for. Pick up those bits and pieces you're not looking for. Come and say hello. Eyeball a couple of mates, have a bit of a barbie with us, and enjoy a Sunday amongst friends. Maps and full details in the text edition, the WIA events page, and of course the official club website, www.emdrc.com.au. Only a table or two left to book, but get in touch with Max anyway, and get your name on the standby list if you miss out. It's a short trip from anywhere in the Melbourne metro area out near Ringwood, so head up East Link. Take the Eastern Freeway out or point in the direction of Maroondah Highway and tune in to 147-175 for the talk-in. See you there. Continuing around VK and still in VK3 standard theory training available soon, enrolments are being taken by Amateur Radio Victoria for the Standard Licence Bridging Theory course held weekly Wednesday nights at centrally located Ashburton. To enrol, you must have a foundation licence. The instructor, Kevin Luxford, VK3DAP, ZL2DAP, covers the additional standard licence syllabus knowledge. It does require some self-study in between the classes, but those who have attended can attest that it is a very high pass rate. For full details, contact the education team leader, that's Barry Robinson, Victor Kilo 3, Popper Victor, 0428 516 001. In VK1 at the recently held CRARC AGM, new committee members were elected, including President Phil Longworth, VK1PL, Senior Vice President Ian McCleary, VK1FMAC, Treasurer Bob Howie, VK1MRH, and Secretary Murray DePlatter, VK1 Mike Delta Popper. In VK4, Brisbane Amateur Radio Club will be holding its 30th Barkfest on the 11th of May at Mount Gravatt Showgrounds from 9.30am. 
Anyone interested in booking a table can obtain the necessary paperwork from the VK4BA website, which is qsl.net slash vk4ba, or easier, just go to wia.org.au and look up the VK4 Club section. From the WIA News Hub in Sydney and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. With international news, I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Technology Convention, Easter, Auckland 2013. If you're visiting the Shaky Isles Easter time, register for the Technology Convention to be held in Auckland over March 30 and 31. The program includes presentations on a loop antenna design and experimental tuning tool, using the Maritime AIS system as a propagation indicator, digital ATV, the Wellington and Auckland experiences to date, oscillators and their design, Weaver method of SSB generation, digital mobile radio technology update, the forum, your opportunity to discuss current issues, and a mobile rally with much, much more. SolarCycle 24 may have a double peak. Something unexpected is happening on the sun. 2013 is supposed to be the year of Solar Max, the peak of the 11-year sunspot cycle. Yet 2013 has arrived and solar activity is relatively low. Sunspot numbers are well below their values in 2011 and strong solar flares have been infrequent for many months. This quiet has led some observers to wonder if forecasters missed the mark. Solar physicist Dean Pesnell of the Goddard Space Flight Centre has a different explanation. This is solar maximum, he suggests, but it looks different from what we expected because it's double peaked. Conventional wisdom holds that solar activity swings back and forth like a simple pendulum. At one end of the cycle, there is a quiet time with few sunspots and flares. At the other end, solar max brings high sunspot numbers and solar storms. It's a regular rhythm that repeats every 11 years. Sunspot counts jumped in 2011, dipped in 2012, and Pesnell expects them to rebound again in 2013. I'm comfortable in saying that another peak will happen in 2013 and possibly last into 2014, he predicts. SA Amateur Radio Development Trust awarded three RAE bursaries. The South African Amateur Radio Development Trust has awarded three bursaries for young people to study for the RAE to be written in May. The bursaries are each valued at 1,000 Rand and were awarded to sisters Michelle, who is in Grade 9, and Nicole in Grade 11. The third bursary was awarded to Carl, ZU6KB. He achieved the best results in the 2011 Class B examination with a 98% pass. He loves contesting and won the SARL Youth Sprint last year and came 22nd in the CW WWSSB 10 metre assisted Class 3 contest in Africa. Arrest made in UK unlicensed radio station raid. A United Kingdom man has been arrested in a raid on an unlicensed radio station in Wolverhampton. Police and officials from communications regulator Ofcom raided the premises and seized microphones, a mixer, a computer and associated cabling. The 33-year-old man was arrested on suspicion of offences under the UK's Wireless Telegraphy Act 2006. Wind-up radio developers seeking UK government protection for all inventors. The developer of the famed Freeplay wind-up radio is calling on the British government to step in to protect interests of inventors. The Daily Telegraph reports that inventor Trevor Bayliss says he faces having to sell his house after failing to make money 
from his wind-up radio that many say helped to revolutionise public emergency notifications and thereby save lives in emerging nations. Unlicensed operator arrested for threats against Texas Radio Club. A man arrested on allegations he used amateur radio to threaten to kill members of a local amateur radio club has been released on bail from the Bexar County, Texas jail. 29-year-old John David Watkins III posted a $4,000 bond and was freed before noon on Sunday, February the 17th. This after having been taken into custody the previous night on two counts of making terroristic threats. An arrest affidavit states that Watkins, known on the radio frequencies as White Noise, was creating interference and illegally transmitting without having the required radio operator's license. A member of the radio club met with Watkins in January and told him to stop or the group would report him to the FCC. Officials said that the next day Watkins allegedly made threats against the person who visited him and against other members of the club, saying that he would kill them with an AK-47 rifle. These threats were reported to the police who provided security at the club's next meeting. As of airtime, what motivated Watkins to make the alleged threats, or if the matter will go to trial, is unknown. You're listening to WIA National News on most amateur bands throughout New South Wales from VK2WI Sydney and affiliate relay stations. For details of frequencies, visit www.arnsw.org.au. News, talk and radio sport, here with VK1WIA. Operational news, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Dateline 2013. March 15-17, to 17, VK John Moyle Field Day Weekend. Worldwide International Museums Weekend, June 15 and 16 and 22-23. RSGB Commonwealth CW Contest this weekend, 9 and 10 March, and you can win a centenary Morse key. With the Commonwealth Contest takes place on the 9th and 10th of March, the RSGB have donated one of their centenary keys for the prize draw. All stations that enter the contest and make at least 75 good QSOs after adjudication are entered into the free prize draw. This is a 24-hour CW contest on the 10 to 80 metre bands. The exchange is simply a report and serial number and there is free software to make the logging, sending and entry very easy. Only QSOs between call areas in the Commonwealth count, so have a look at the call area list in the rules. Special event stations, DX and Beacon and NetAdvice. Southgate News in the UK say that Banjo Patterson VK4MIK is running his AM and CW for Anzac Day again this year, 2013. Suggested CW frequencies during April 25 are 7020, 7025, 14038 and 14051. From 0300 Zulu to 0700 Zulu. 4S7 DXG and 8Q7VR approved for DXCC credit. The Sri Lanka 4S7 DXG and Maldives 8Q7VR operations in 2008 and 2011 have been approved for DXCC credit. If you had a request rejected for contacts with these dates only, send an email to dxccrules at awrl.org to be put on the list for an update. Ham Radio Club to celebrate Legion birthday. The American Legion Amateur Radio Club will operate special event station N9L March 15th and March 16th to commemorate the 94th birthday of the American Legion. Similar objectives to the Aussie RSL. The primary frequency to look for N9L will be 14.270 MHz on 20 metres. A multinational team will activate the Spratly Islands in the South China Sea from the 10th to the 18th of March. The call sign will be 9M4SLL. They will operate on all bands 160 to 10 metres using SSB, CW and RITI. 
This counts as a separate entity for DXCC purposes and also for the IOTA award AS051. QSL manager is M0URX. Finally from me, MediaWatch. CQ launches online photo gallery. CQ magazine has announced the launch of the online CQ photo gallery to supplement photos published in the magazine. We shoot photos at many events and receive many photos from readers that we don't have space to put in the magazine, said CQ editor Rich Moseson, W2VU, but we still want to share them with our readers. The new CQ photo gallery allows us to do that. The photo gallery resides on the Flickr.com website and is organised into albums called Sets. For VK1 WIA National News, I'm Felix, VK4FUQ, Inningham. On VK1 WIA and the National News Service, it's time for the Q News Workbench, the Nuts and Volts Report. Peter Ellis, VK1PE, has found an interesting article that explains 1F noise in electronics. For around 90 years, the phenomenon of 1F noise, or pink noise, has been observed in electronics and studied and debated. 1F noise is louder at low frequencies and decreases with increased frequency unlike white noise that is constant with frequency. Pink noise has emerged as one limiting factor in electronic circuits using very small conductor diameters. The debate has been whether 1 on F noise comes from the surface of the conductor or the volume of the underlying material. The debate may be over following research using graphene sandwiches down to one layer thick of carbon atoms. The paper is Direct Probing of 1 on F Noise Origin with graphene multilayers, surface versus volume, by Guangzhong Liu and Alexander A. Balandin et al. It's on ArcSiv. Increasingly, electronic manufacturers are moving to thin wires of dielectric of around 1 nanometer in ICs. Graphene layers and carbon nanotubes are also beginning to be used in ICs. 1F noise is thus becoming a dominant issue especially as it can be often amplified in later circuits. The research shows that both surface conduction and volume effects contribute to 1F noise. The team showed that surface noise dominates for fewer than seven layers of graphene, and above that, volume noise takes over. So, viable countermeasures for 1F noise will now be sought. For National Radio News, I'm Peter Ellis, VK1PE. From the WIA News Hub in Perth and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed via VK1 WIA. What use is an F-call? Recently I went looking for a place to set up my radio during lunchtime. The location I've been looking for needs a couple of things. Most importantly, it needs to be reachable within my lunch break. Being self-employed, that's a little bit more flexible for me than for some, but it shouldn't be a 30-minute drive there and another 30 minutes back. For me, the location needs to be near water, accessible by car. I should be able to park next to the water so my antenna ground plane can reach the water and it needs to be away from houses with plasma screens. In case you're wondering how my antenna system has been constructed, it's quite simple. I use a 12-metre squid pole. Think fishing rod on steroids. It's called a spider beam. A local manufacturer made a steel plate with a pipe welded to it. I park a wheel of my car on the steel plate, put the squid pole over the welded pipe and run a piece of wire to the top. At the bottom I have an SGC tuner, an SG237, which plugs into the wire going up the pole and plugs the other end of the antenna into a ground plane. 
depending on where I am, the ground plane is a single wire running into a body of water, or it's a construction of 16 wires laid out in a ground mat. The tuner plugs into my radio, the radio plugs into a battery pack, and I can be on air in less than 10 minutes. It's clearly not a mobile setup, and I don't use it at home where my radio really only is used on 2 and 70 SEMs. In order for me to use this contraption during lunch, I need to be able to get to the location, set up in short order, and get on air and listen to stations around the bands. I did in fact find such a location, and plan to set up there to start some listening tests. I found that Google Maps was very helpful in having a look-see before going physically to the actual site, and the photographic data provided by NearMap was helpful in determining how busy the location might be. Looking for locations to set up can be challenging. My current hit list contains boat ramps as a preference. Perhaps this might help you locate a place to get some QSOs during your lunch break too. I'm Ono, Victor Kilo 6, Foxtrot, Lima Alpha Bravo. In Melbourne and around the world, you can now hear and see the WAA News Broadcast. Brought to you by members of Melbourne's Eastern and Mountain District Radio Club. The broadcast is transmitted via VK3RTV, digital television repeater, and simultaneously streamed live on the web, courtesy of the British Amateur Television Club. This is VK1WIA, now heard and seen around the world. I'm John, VK3DQ. I'm Brian, VK3GR, with this week's worldwide special interest group news beginning with Final Frontier. Scientists from Colombia believe they have pinpointed the origin of the giant meteor that smashed into a remote region of Russia last month, using some of the dozens if not hundreds of videos that captured the once-in-a-century event. The scientists have calculated the trajectory, tracing it back to a group of Earth-crossing objects known as Apollo asteroids. They then used trigonometry to calculate the height, speed and position of the rock as it fell to Earth. To reconstruct the meteor's original orbit around the Sun, they used six different properties from its trajectory through Earth's atmosphere. They then plugged all the data into specialised astronomy software developed by the US Naval Observatory. The computers then confirmed that it was from the Apollo group. Still with space news, scientists have applauded NASA's decision to send another rover to Mars in 2020. At the same time, they are stressing that the mission should pave the way to return Martian rocks to Earth. Amateur Radio Newsline's Heather Emby, KB3TZD, said that the Planetary Society and the American Astronomical Society's Division for Planetary Sciences applauded the announcement. At the same time, both strongly suggest that the mission should have the capability to collect and store Martian rock samples. NASA has released very few details on the proposed new rover plan. Because of this, it's still unclear whether the robot will be able to collect Martian rock samples intended to be brought back to Earth. It should be noted that most plans for returning Mars samples are multi-phase, with an initial mission to collect and store the rocks. Later missions would then rendezvous with the collector and return the samples to Earth. To Rescue Radio. Next Saturday, March 16th, Rally of Bonnie Doon in Mansfield. Contact Peter Weeks, VK3YZP, if you can help. Still with Rescue Radio, a follow-up. NPR Labs, emergency alert for the deaf experiment to go forward. To follow up on our recent story of an emergency alerting system being proposed for the deaf and hard of hearing using radio, Amateur Radio Newsline's Bruce Tennant, K6PZW, said that a pilot system is intended to demonstrate that all individuals, including those who are deaf or hard of hearing, can rely on battery-powered radios to stay informed in emergencies when electricity, internet and other communication channels are unavailable. 
NPR Labs is a technology research and development group of National Public Radio. It will work with DHS and FEMA to identify 25 public radio outlets in the USA to participate in this pilot. In the demonstration project, FEMA will transmit emergency alert messages using the Common Alerting Protocol. The Public Radio Satellite System Network Operations Centre will retransmit the warning via the radio broadcast data system on the participating 25 public radio stations on a dedicated digital alerting channel. The stations will broadcast the emergency alert to receivers capable of displaying text messages. Now special interest groups, lowdown. Distance challenges out on new band. Following the World Radio Conference held in 2012, the band 472 kHz to 479kHz, or a wavelength of 630 metres, became available to radio amateurs in many countries. Jim Linton, VK3PC, told us that the International Amateur Radio Union won the new secondary allocation on a basis it used ground wave propagation, resulting in reliable communication over medium and large ranges, and is not dependent upon the ionosphere. According to research by Nick Hacko, VK2DX, only 19 Australian stations are capable of receiving the band, just seven can also transmit, and out of those, only five have made two-way contacts. The current two-way distance record is just under 290 kilometres. Those who have already tried it find the band to be most challenging. Nick VK2DX is looking for a bunch of enthusiastic VK, ZL and Pacific radio amateurs to be active on the band and of course have a crack at the distance record. If you're serious about the band, subscribe to the Yahoo mailing list. Get your personalised WIA email address today. The WIA, through its email server, allows you to establish your call sign at wia.org.au with all emails sent to this address automatically forwarded to either your home or work email account. This provides you with one consistent email address. And should you ever change ISP, then having a WIA address means that your friends and colleagues will still be able to email you without the need for individually providing them with your new address. All you need to do is simply advise us of your new address through a form on our website and we do the rest. It couldn't be easier. A further benefit of having a WIA address is in receiving informative amateur radio news as it breaks sent directly to your inbox. Obtaining your WIA email address is really quite easy. Simply visit our website www.wia.org.au, click on Member Services, then select Email Address and fill out the application form. Well, we have reached the end of WIA National News for just another week. Now, submitting news items, if you would like to submit news items for inclusion in the VK1WIA broadcasts, email your item in text to nationalnews at wia.org.au and to submit audio, read the How to Submit Items in the weekly news page on wia.org.au again. Remember, the sooner you submit material, the more the likelihood of it being broadcast in the very next edition of WIA National News. But each item will only be broadcast once. If you want a couple of mentions over several weeks, please submit different slants to keep your event fresh. Uh, also this week, I'd like to thank both Peter in Canberra and Phil in South Australia for submitting uh, material or comments on the uh, submis- submit uh, comment page on the WIA National News page. Now, when you read the news on wia.org.au, you'll see a little link there that uh, mentions that you can put in comments there. Now, Peter, who sent us many an item this week, we certainly thank you for that. And also to uh, Phil in South Australia, who uh, wasn't too keen on hearing lots of the 
the negative items uh, that we broadcast from overseas, the stories that uh, have a uh, you have to draw maybe a long bow to associate them with ham radio. I guess along the lines of the uh, the young lass at the school who was refusing to uh, wear an RFID tag, and just some of those type of items. As we pointed out, I'd most definitely love to uh, bring you 99% of uh, news from the Wireless Institute of Australia itself. So, there you are, directors. Over to you. OK, that's it. No, it's not. We'd better run through the uh, the social scene. And uh, let's let's start off here, if I can uh, find that uh, little piece of paper where I, where I had it all down. That's the beauty of uh, live, isn't it? OK. March 10, for those listening to the early edition, it's Spark joining in the 2013 Rosebud Kite Fest. March 24, the EMDRC White Elephant Sale at the Great Ryrie Primary School. March 24, in VK7, Meet the Voice Barbecue at Ross. April 18, it's the IARU World Amateur Radio Day. May 3-5, to 5 in VK4, Clearview Amateur Radio Weekend. May 11 in VK3, Moorabbin and District Radio Club's Hamfest. May 11 in VK4, Barkfest at Mount Cravat Showgrounds. And May 11 in VK6, it's Hills Amateur Radio Group's Hargfest. May 24 to 26 in VK6, the WIA AGM and Conference in Perth. July 20 in VK3, Gippsland Gate Radio and Electronics Club, Hamfest. And wrapping it up in August, August 11 in VK2, Sarkfest, 414 Richmond Hill Road, and that's, of course, near Lismore. Till next we meet, I'm Graham VK4BB. Walk softly. In the nation's capital, with amateur radio news from across the globe, this has been the WIA National News Service. Local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates. We'd appreciate you checking in. VK1WIA. We've reported. You decide.